We're in this series called Money Mavericks, and it's been a great series over the past couple of weeks. We've looked at things like irreverent riches. Scott talked about that and how it all belongs to God. We've talked about things like revolutionary returns. Jason spoke last week about that and how we need to revolt against this idea that we need to hoard things and that we can be generous and give to God and give to each other and share what God has given to us. And so that's been a great foundation, very biblical, showing us that uh, God cares about wealth and cares about money. It's very much a part of who we are and what we do. Um, In Scripture, it talks about, in the Proverbs, it talks about how the borrower is always servant to the lender. It talks about how debt is bondage. And we have... uh, I know that's very true in, in our, in, even in our church, in our family we feel it, even in our church we felt it. When we uh, first started Artisan, when uh, CapEx Day and Quest came together, uh, we wanted to let people know about this new church. And so our coach, who is a, a godly man, he's been planning churches for somewhere around 20 years now, uh, was working with us and we, we brought in a, a marketing guru the guy is 78 years old, I believe. He's been doing marketing for 40 years. He knows his stuff. And so we were talking with these guys and thinking about how do we let people know about this new church that's coming out. And to a person, everyone said, well, what you need to do is a mailer, a mass mailing. And so we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it right We're going to do four-color, high-gloss, nice card stock. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be attractive. It's going to spark people's interest. And so we put it together. We went out and photographed uh, some images of Pastor Jason and I holding welding torches. And we were going to be relationship welders. It was great. We got some comments from people about why there was flaming torches on the cover of a church bulletin. But it, it it was okay. And... We sent out 15,000 pieces. 15,000 pieces for the great price of only $7,000. Because, per our council, it's not like we went out and just did this stuff willy-nilly. No, our church planning coach has been doing this for 20 years. This marketing guru that's been doing it for 40 said, Hey, you are guaranteed... A 1% turnaround of those 15,000 pieces. So do the math. You know, so we were expecting, okay, we're going to get at least 150 people in. Add that on top of the 50 people we already have here. We are going to be able to pay for this within a couple of months. Because, you know, those 150 people come in and, of course, they start tithing right away. And so we said, what we'll do, because we don't have $7,000, is we'll put it on a credit card. No interest, no payments for 12 months. So we did that. We sent out these 15,000 pieces, and we did not get a 1% turnaround. Mm -mm. Nope. We got a 0.1% turnaround. We got 15 people from those mailers. And we learned a valuable lesson about debt. Because that was back in the beginning of 2005, and we carried that roughly when it all was said and done 
about $5,000 worth of debt on that credit card from 2005 into 2006 uh, through 2006 and into 2007, we actually had to float it to another 0% interest, no interest, no payments for 12 months card, just so we didn't get in trouble. Well, some of you are probably saying, we already are in trouble. You're right. Debt is bondage, and man, we felt it. We felt it like an albatross weighing down around our neck. That was $5,000 any time we made any extra money through giving, through special gifts, whatever it was. All of that money had to go to pay down this debt. And we couldn't do anything extra with it. And uh, thanks be to God, we uh, were able to pay that down through a very generous gift early in 2007. And so that debt is off of our shoulders and we are debt free as a church. And that is a good place to be. And we felt free. And now we can do things with the extra money we bring in and like re renovate a building and paint and, and make this a place that's ours and do some really cool stuff with it. And so God has shown us in our own experiences here as a church and also personally has shown us uh, in my own family that debt is bondage. And God does not want us to be in debt. Does, God does not want us to be in bondage to the lender. I think oftentimes in our spiritual walk, when we think about money, we like to compartmentalize our lives. And we like to think of, of God and our faith and our journey with Christ in this little compartment over here. And we like to think of our money and our job and all that stuff in another separate compartment over here. And, and nary the twain shall meet. Except God, I don't think, thinks of our wealth and our money and our possessions in that way. I think God realizes and He speaks very clearly in Scripture to the fact that our money and our possessions are very much part of our whole lives. Part of our spiritual walk as well as, as a material wealth side of things. And so there are over 2,000 verses in Scripture that speak to money and possessions. 15% of Jesus' ministry speaks to money and possessions and how we're supposed to handle those and how we're supposed to deal with other people. In fact, I think Jesus directly speaks to how money and possessions will not only impact us here in this world, but also speaks to where our eternal destiny will be. You can write some of these things down. I invite you, there's, if you've got a bulletin today, uh, some of these notes and these script, scripture references will be in your notes. Uh, but if you don't have that, uh, uh, jot it down on a piece of paper or um, remember them, all of them, okay? Um, and so we'll be going through a bunch of different scriptures here. And I invite you, if you'd like to use the Bibles under your chairs, you may do that. The, the verses will also be up on the screen. But Jesus, when he's talking about money and wealth and possessions, he brings up this, this parable, this story uh, of, of, a, of a camel. And he's speaking to this rich young ruler who wasn't rich, wasn't young, and wasn't a ruler in any of the stories. It wasn't all three of those. He's different ones in all different uh, three Gospels, uh, the Synoptic Gospels. Um, but Jesus talking to this young man who has great wealth, who's talking about, how do I get into heaven? And 
Jesus says, well, first you, you have to lay aside all your wealth, and then you can come follow me. And the man walks away sad. And, and Jesus says, played by Sean Connery, because in my mind, Jesus is always played by Sean Connery. He says, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. There you go, that's Sean Connery for you. Jesus says that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Now, you have to maybe get a little bit of history and in, in some archaeology here. Uh, around the city, there would have been a wall, and there would have been a special place in this wall called the Eye of the Needle, where caravans of camels coming through so that they could not storm the city and take it by siege would have to go through these eyes of uh, this eye of a needle and the camels would have to unburden themselves they'd have to lay down all the possessions and then the animals would go through the eye of the needle and thus to enter the kingdom you had to unburden yourself and Jesus very much is saying when talking about entering the kingdom of God if you want to do that you need to unburden yourself before you enter the kingdom he goes on in another part of Matthew Matthew 25 and I again invite you to write this down verses 14 through 30 I'm not going to go through and read the whole section I'm just gonna paraphrase it but this is the story of the parable of the talents and Jesus is talking about this man, this, this master, this Lord that is, go, that is going on a journey. He's going away. And before he goes, he leaves his servants with different giftings depending on their ability. To one servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two. And to a third servant, he gives one. And I know I'm guilty of this. When I think of this, I, I think about this king or lord coming over to his servants and you know counting out five little gold pieces and three little gold or two little gold pieces and and one little gold piece no 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 that's not what a talent is a talent just by weight weighs 57 pounds 57 pounds so think about that that bag of rock salt maybe you purchased for the winter or uh, uh five-gallon pail full of water or something like that. That's about what it weighs, 57 pounds. The equivalent in our money today, see, the talent was uh, 6,000 denarii, and a denarii was a day's wage. And so the average person is thought to have made about 300 denarii a year, you know, take throw vacations in there and stuff like that. So about 300 denarii a year, that works out, 6,000 denarii in a, in a talent. It's about 20 to 30 years of wages. Now, I went out to the, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and looked up what the average labor uh, wage was for New York State. The average wage for upstate New York is $45,000. So if you take that number, $45,000, multiply it to between 20 and 30, we're talking somewhere between $900,000 million dollars is one talent in today's language. So let's just call it one million dollars. 
You have to, I have to be careful throwing out these movie references because, you know, when I was, you know, young, in my young 20s, these, these movie references were hip and all, the, all that stuff, but that was like 10 years ago. So there's some people here that were eight when that movie came out, when, when uh, Austin Powers came out. So anyway, that's an Austin Powers reference if anybody didn't get it. One million dollars, one talent. So he gives one of his servants one million dollars, gives another servant two million, gives a third servant Five million. The five million dollar servant goes out and trades with it and makes five million more. The two million servant goes out, does the same thing, trades with it, makes two million more. The servant with one million does what? Buries it. Does nothing with it. And so Jesus tells this parable of the Lord coming back. And the one with the five that has made ten gives it to his Lord and says, here, I have taken what you have given me and I have doubled it. Here is your money back. And the Lord says to that servant in verse 21, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with what? Few things. Imagine that, calling $5 million a few things. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Some of us are sitting here thinking, ma'am, I don't have that much. I know I definitely don't have $5 million. I know I don't have $1 million. Some of us are thinking, I wish I had a little more. And perhaps what Jesus is saying in this parable, now granted he is very specifically talking about the future and talking about your eternal destiny, but I think in a very practical sense he's saying, if you aren't faithful with a little bit, why, why would you be given more? That's something that kind of, oof, I was a little close, Pastor. That was, I stepped on my toes a little bit there. But why would we be given more if we're not faithful for, with the little bit that we've been given? He continues on and says, Come and share your master's happiness. Speaking to the future. Speaking to entering the kingdom of God. Share the happiness of God. Now with the one million dollar servant, he addresses that servant and says in verse 30, to throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be what? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many people have ever heard that phrase from the Bible before? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, audience participation. What is that referring to? Hell. For anybody that wasn't familiar, the person next to you just told you. That is referring to hell. Jesus is very much saying how you handle your finances is very much an indication of where you stand spiritually. And being irresponsible or uncaring about your finances is a very good indication that your heart isn't in the right place and it could land you in a very, very not-so-nice place for the future. So in Jesus' mind, he doesn't separate the religion 
and the faith from the money. It's very much interconnected. And one definitely relates to another. Other places in Scripture, write these down, check them out. Romans 13.8. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to anyone. Psalm 37.21 says, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous are generous and keep giving. Scripture is very clear about things like debt and not paying back our debts. And so, what are we to do with that? It brings up a lot of questions. In fact, I think what it does is it begs the question of how are we going to order our lives? How are we going to plan what we do with money? And I think that's an important question because, you know, George W., he just gave us all that are under that $75,000 income bracket, he just gave us all $600 if you're an adult, an additional $600 this year. Each. If you have kids, they're worth $300 each. What are you going to do with it? In fact, the DNC was covering the, the, the news about George W. giving us the money. And uh, one woman, very proud of her, what is she going to do? She's going to pay down debt. She's going to pay off her auto loan. All right, cool. Another gentleman, what are you going to do with your money? I'm going to go buy me a 42-inch flat panel 1080i or 1080p, I guess is the latest and greatest, HD. Oh, it's going to be great. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we don't have a plan for our finances... Things like buying that flat screen huge TV are tempting and that's where we spend our money. And we justify it in our minds. We say, well, you know, they're moving from analog to digital and I need a new TV and it's got to be a digital TV and so I might as well get the 42-inch flat panel screen TV with my $600 that George W. has given me but that's all rationalizing and it's all justification. So what do we do? How do we make this work? How do we work our finances and our spirituality together? How do we follow God's plan for finances in our lives? I think that there's one simple phrase that describes how we're supposed to address this. First, we need to plan the work and then we need to work the plan. We need to plan the work and then work the plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Write this down, check this out. 21, verse 5. The author of Proverbs, the most wealthy man in all of Scripture, probably one of the most wealthy people the world has ever known. Solomon writes this. He says, Good planning and hard work lead to what? Prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. And that, I think, is unorthodox planning. Because we want the quick fix. We want to make the, the million dollars. We want to invest in something today that's going to pay off big-time dividends tomorrow. But a lot of times that isn't the way. It's hard work and good planning. So the first thing I think we need to do as we talk about finances, as we talk about how we understand God's plan for our lives and how we handle our possessions, the first thing we need to do is get right with God. 
Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for a servant will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth, or God in mammon, as some of your translations translate it. God is saying, look, if you're not serving God, and you're not following Him, and you're not following His principles for your finances, you're serving your finances. It's one or the other. You're either serving God and you're bowed down to Him and you're following His Lordship. You are the, the word in the Greek is, is the word doulos. And it's not a midwife. A doulos is a, is a for any of you that have had children, you know that there's this uh, a person that's called a doulos that sometimes helps with birthing. But really what a doulos is in the Greek is a servant. It's, an, it's, a, it's like a bond slave. It's someone that has, doesn't need to be a slave but has willingly submitted themselves to the master because they love their master, because their master takes care of them and provides for them, and so they willingly serve. And that's how the Bible talks about Christ followers, as servants, as doulos. So who do you serve? Do you serve God or mammon? Do you serve the Lord or money? So the first thing we need to do is get right with God and know where we stand with Him. The second thing that we need to do is know where we stand financially ourselves. And we need to be ruthlessly honest. We took a survey a couple weeks ago when we first started this message series and we asked you all, where do you stand financially? And we didn't make you write your name down or put down your yearly income or anything like that. We just wanted to know where we stood as a church financially. And some of you were there and some of the new folks that we have here tonight weren't, but you can benefit from this too. So the first question that we asked was, what kind of consumer debt do you have? And I think we have a slide up there that has consumer debt. How much consumer debt? And that's really, actually as a church, it's really good. 62% of us said, we have less than $1,000 consumer debt. That, praise God, that is wonderful. Now there's a little bit of a discrepancy as to what consumer debt is amongst the staff. When we originally did the survey, we said that student loans were not consumer debt because... In some people's mind, when you graduate from higher levels of education, you're supposed to be making more money. So the higher your education, the more money you earn. Unless, of course, you're a seminary student. And then it goes the other way. And we are flush with seminary students here in this church, so we're seminary grads. Lots of student loan debt to work through. But let me just ask this question. If you were asked this again, how many people of the under $1,000 debt are going to go from under $1,000 to over $30,000 or $20,000 come graduation time? How many people are jumping up to that? Okay, there we go. Yeah, we got, um, so, hey, we've got a class coming up. It's about biblical financial planning. That's for you. 
It's for all of us, but it's a good idea to start thinking ahead to one, two, three years down the line and saying, how am I going to deal with $30,000 worth of debt when I'm just starting off my job? So, second question we asked is, do you have a budget? Do you have a budget? And here's what the answer was. 54% of people said, yes, I have a budget. And 46% of people were honest and said, no. <laughs> no, I don't have a budget. <laughs> exactly. So the next question we asked was, of those of you that have a budget, how many of you follow your budget? And here's the answers we got. 61% yes and 39% no. So even of those that do have a budget, only 39% or 61% of them actually follow it. So put, them all, put the numbers all together. 63% of us either don't have a budget or don't follow it. Which, hey, there's 37% that have the budget and do. And wow, that's awesome. We need to celebrate that. We also need to look at the 63% of us that don't do it and say, we need to understand where we are financially and maybe make some changes. Now, we are, as we were thinking about this, we, we have to ask, you know, are you in debt? Do you carry debt from month to month, from week to week? How much debt do you carry? Do you have savings? Remember a few weeks back, probably about a month back, we, we talked about the national average of savings. It's like a negative 1.2%, which means we're spending more than we actually make. So we're going deeper and deeper in debt. Do you have credit cards? And here's the really tough question. If you have a credit card, do you pay off the balance every month? Do you pay off the balance every month? If not, you need to seriously consider some plastic surgery. You need to cut those things up because those things are driving you deeper and deeper and deeper into debt by the rate of probably over 18%. And you don't need that. So know where you are. I know as uh, Beck and I, we're, we're going to be leading this biblical financial planning group starting at the end of March. And in preparation for that, there's a lot of things that we need to do to get ready. Things like putting together a list of all of our debts and then also the, the tables that show us how many years it's going to take to pay these debts off and how much, this is a really hard thing, when you look at how much you're paying towards interest versus how much you're paying towards principal. Oh, dear. That hurts. That's crazy, especially when you look at the mortgage. Oof, man, that's terrible. But I have to admit that in our relationship, in our marriage, my wife, Rebecca, she is wonderful with numbers. She loves doing things like sitting in front of Quicken and making it all balance and working it out and making the budget and making sure we stick to the budget. I did not come from that kind of family growing up. No, no, no. My family growing up was, you want something, you buy it, and you figure out how you're going to pay for it later. That was my upbringing, and that's what I brought to our marriage. Wasn't Rebecca lucky? 
But Beck came in from a very frugal family, and I really appreciate what she brings to, to our marriage. She tells us that if you want something, you start saving for it, which was a very foreign concept for me. And then when you have enough money, you start watching the sales <laughs> until you can find the lowest possible price out there. And even then, you might haggle to get it down. So two very different worlds coming together, and, and I'm blessed in our marriage uh, to have Beck to help me with my finances. So when we started doing this Crown Financial Planning uh, study and preparing for the group that we're going to lead in about a month or two, it was really good for me because I saw where we were financially. I understood, hey, you know what? When I get my allowance every month, I really need to stick to it. Because if I don't, we're going to go in the hole and we're going to go deeper in debt. And it's just going to be that much harder to get out of debt later on. So you need to get right with God. You need to know where you are currently. And then you need to know where you're going. Where do you want to go? What is your life goal? What is your goal with your finances? Is it that you want to pay off your debt? Do you want to pay down those student loans? Do you want to pay down your mortgage? Do you want to be debt-free? Do you want, maybe some of you are in that under $1,000 debt category, and oh, I hope you stay there. And there are ways to make sure you stay there. And if you don't know those ways, again, I encourage you to take this course because there's a lot of great tools that you'll learn and how to prepare and how to stay there. But we need to know where we want to go. Do you want your re retirement ready? Do you want to pay for, you know, if God should bless you with kids or if you already have kids, do you want to pay for their schooling? You need to be prepared and know where you're going. There's a couple ways you can do this. You can do it yourself. And in a moment, I'm going to hand out a little sheet of paper here. And on the back of this sheet of paper, you'll notice that on the back, there's a very simple budget. If you're interested in, in knowing a real, real simple budget, it's the 10-10-80 budget. And this isn't a calling plan. You're not going to get this for a dime or anything like that. The 10-10-80 plan is you spend 80% of your income on paying off your bills, you put 10% away for savings, and then you put another 10% towards God's work through giving and offering. So 10, 10, 80, very, very simple budget. This one's just a little bit more complex. It's got about eight to 10 categories on here that's anything from housing to food to clothing, just simple things on there. And so you can plan out your own budget on here. It also has a website across the top, the crown.org slash tools slash calculators. Those are some free tools online that you can use to, to do exactly what's on this sheet of paper. In fact, if you have access to the Internet, I recommend you do it this way because you just plug in the numbers and it fills it all in for you. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Some of you have things like QuickBooks or Quicken and like my wife, you're really proficient at it, and I encourage you to keep using that and maybe make your budget off of those things because that can track it all within Quicken. You can do it yourself. If you have 
a plan. If you make that plan, you know where you are, you know where you want to go, you can make that plan. Some of us need a little more help. I include myself in this category. And we are going to start a group that meets, and actually if we have enough interest, we might start too, that meets on a weekly basis for 10 weeks to learn about God's financial plan for our lives. How God speaks to our finances. And it has been shown that following this plan or being diligent about saving and about paying off debt, you can pay off your debt and be completely debt-free and be financially secure within 20 years if you're diligent. Remember, God's word tells us that it's good planning and hard work that lead prosperity. Good planning and hard work. Well, I want to show you a little video that talks a little bit more about this class that's coming up. It's a little bit of an ad, but I think it speaks directly to our, our topic today and gives us a little bit of an insight into the, uh, the class. And while that's going on, I'm going to hand out these papers. So take a look at the screen. So where do you want to go? A Gallup poll recently said that uh, 56% of marriages end in divorce because of some financial struggle or financial issue in the marriage. So maybe you want a stronger marriage. Maybe you want to, as that couple did, pay cash for your, your home. Uh, whatever your goal is, first you need to know where you are and you need to know where you want to go. And then you can make a plan for how to get there. There's uh, some great tools you saw. There's references in there that you may or may not have picked up on if you're familiar with some of the crown tools, but things like the money map, which are six steps to becoming financially free. And it's, it's some pretty th big things. You know, things. The first step is saving $1,000 for emergency. And then the second step is, is you start to pay off debt and you start saving for three months' worth of emergency. If you should lose your job and you need three months to, to find a new one, you could live for three months without the worry and burden of your finances. And see, this is all wrapped together in God wants you to live a peaceful life. God doesn't want you to be indebted to money. He doesn't want you to have that fetter, that albatross around your neck. He wants you to live free and be able to give to His work in the world. So we need to work hard and we need to work the plan. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. And yeah, it is hard. In fact, there are things that we'll talk about and things that you can do in your own life like snowball payments. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Anybody ever heard of a snowball payment? You know what that is? You list out your debts. Say you have five debts. You take the lowest debt that you have, and maybe you're paying $100 a month to that, and so you pay that debt off, and then you take that $100, and you apply that $100 to the next debt. You don't suddenly say, oh, I've got $100 more a month. I can go out and spend on clothes, or I can go out to eat more often, or I can go out to the movies more often. No. It takes discipline. It takes hard work to take that $100 that is so tempting and roll it into the next payment. And so you can take those two and then you can combine them once that's paid down and put it to the third and to the fourth and to the fifth. And pretty soon you're paying down sizable chunks of things like your mortgage. 
all for the goal of being released from the burden of debt that we find ourselves in, largely as a nation. So work the plan. The message that we have today, the unorthodox planning, the way that might be a little hard for us to, uh, to think about, is three steps. They're easy in some senses and very difficult in others. First thing we need to do is get right with God. Make Him Lord of our lives. Second thing we need to do is plan the work. We need to have a plan. We need to know where we are. We need to know where we're going. We need to have a plan to get there. And then we need to work that plan as hard as it can be, as difficult and as tempting as that can be to just let go and to spend a little bit more. And we just need to say no. One of the hardest words in the English language to say at times. And work the plan. And we can look forward to that day when we will hear from God, when we approach Him with the investment that He's made in our lives and say, look, I've taken what you've given us and I've used it, traded with it, and I've made interest. And here it is back again. And we will hear the words of our Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will give you charge of many. Enter the joy of your Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let me talk a little bit about this form that I just handed out to you here. One of the things that we want to do as a, as a, as a staff and as a church is take real, practical, tangible steps. During this message series, this this was not just some theoretical thing that we threw out there and, and uh, isn't this interesting and isn't it cute the way the Lord talks about money? No, this is intended to be very real, very practical. And so on the side opposite the sample budget, you'll see a question. What is the next step in your life? Where are you and where is the next step? What do you need to do to take that next step? And there are a few things on here. Maybe you need to make a budget in your life and find out where you are financially. Maybe you have one, but you're not sticking to it. And you need to make a promise to yourself that for the next month, as hard as it is, I am going to stick to my budget. I'm going to spend only what I have. And there are programs out there. Actually, Crown has one called Envelopes, but it's nothing more than a glorified envelope system where you take your budget and you just break it out into envelopes and you put cash in there and you spend the cash out of those envelopes. And when the cash is gone, you are done. Done, done, done. Maybe you need to get out of debt. How are you going to do that? What's your plan? Maybe you need some practical, biblical help and support in the way of a group that's going to come together and learn and study God's Word and plan on how, how do I make steps towards reaching that financial goal of, of being free, unencumbered, so that we can serve God without any hindrances. 
Maybe that's you. And if that is you, you'll notice that on the bottom here, there's a little tab you can tear off. You can either go out to artisanchurch.com slash register, or you can use this little tear-off tab here, and the same information is captured either way, and tell us, I'm interested in this group that you're going to start in a couple of months. It does start the week of March 23rd, and as I said, depending on how many people we have, we could do up to two groups. And so if you're interested in that, take this tab here and tear that off. That will be the only thing that you will be putting into the, uh, the offering basket um, that has your name on it. The upper portion, again, that's between you and God. And as we go to the, our time of response, every week after our message, we respond to God's word through a variety of ways. One way is table, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Another way is, is often through prayer, and we have a prayer station over here. Um, but this is a third way of responding, of checking off where you're going. What is your next step? This is between you and God. What is the next step you are taking? As Proverbs 21 says there up on the top, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So we're praying that we are a church that is willing to take the time and make the good plans and do the hard work that it's going to take uh, to really reach the goals of, of being unencumbered for, for God. And so that is one way to respond. The great thing about this message that, that God has given us today is, is that it speaks to, first and foremost, getting right with Him. And many of us and many of you are on that journey, and that journey and that or relationship is represented by our table. Uh, it's often called communion or Eucharist. It just means thanksgiving. And it's represented by these elements of bread and the cup. God tells us that to get right with me, you need to live a perfect life. And Scripture tells us that we've all fallen short of that. That we all have sin in our lives and we all either, whether it's through sins that we commit or sins that we omit, things we should have done but didn't do, we're all short. But God made a way. And He says, the other way you can get right with me is by choosing Jesus to be Lord of your life. And so over here on the table, we have the representation of Christ's body that was broken in the symbol of the broken bread. And so we invite you to come and tear a piece of that bread off. Remember the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. There's a cup filled with juice or wine and we invite you to take that bread and dip it in the juice or the wine and remember the blood that was shed and the new covenant, this new agreement, this new way that God has made for us to be in relationship with Him. That the law and the price of the law, which is death, was paid through Christ. And that is what we celebrate at the table and that we can have new life in Jesus Christ. And so if you are on the journey with Christ or you are making that decision for the first time tonight, we invite you to table and take and eat and remember. 
If you would like to talk to a pastor, maybe there's some financial stuff going on in your life you need to ask for prayer for, or maybe there's, uh, you just have a need or a burden that you feel, there's a prayer station over here and a couple of chairs, and there's going to be a, I'll be sitting over here. And if you'd like to pray, if you are making that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life for the first time tonight, come on over and let's pray and talk about that together and celebrate that. There's also a, a kneeling station if you would like to just pray silently by yourself at the, at the kneeler there. And so we invite you to respond through, through prayer, through celebrating and thanksgiving at the table, and through taking the next step in God's plan for your life. So let's go to prayer, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for your word that shows us that you are very, very concerned about our finances and our possessions and how that impacts us and, and our spirituality as, as it relates to our wealth. Father, we want to thank you for always providing for us and for many of us, Lord, for providing over and above what we need. We celebrate what you have done through your son Jesus Christ through the table, through the giving of, of this bread and, and juice and wine, and we celebrate that way to get right with you. And Lord, as we respond, we ask you to receive us, receive our offering to you. And we pray this in the powerful name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.